0: So this is from Rookery End. This is Mike. The season's over. The season's over and here to celebrate. Getting through, getting to the end, limping over the finish line. JC, Geordie's here. Hello. David's here. Hello. And Kieran's here. KT, Hollywood, how are you, mate? I wish everyone could see Dave's face, really. <laughs> in, in fairness, Dave has been away for a couple of days. <laughs> so it's not just the football that's um, that's beaten him into submission. But we finished off the season. I think we finished in 11th place. Yep. About 40 points off Burnley, who won the league. Yeah, but only six points off the playoffs in the end. Only six points off the playoffs, which in fairness is a damning indictment, I think, of the quality of the championship this year. And also, we're not going to go into it, but it does show how easy it should have been for Watford to qualify for at least the, the playoffs. It has been a... We've ballsed up, haven't we? But let's talk, about this. let's talk about this this final game. Let's get it over and done. Watford have beaten Stoke 2-0. Well, I think one of the first things... Uh, Dave, I want to ask you about is when the team sheet came out, again, there was complaints that there's, uh, these youngsters aren't featuring in the in the first 11 I've got a bit of a theory about why that's not happening, but what, what's your take on that? Does it bother
1: you? Well, it would have been, maybe it would have been nice to see a bit more of of Blake or Greaves. I know Eddie Amos has been injured, hasn't he? But we still got, you know, another good game for Andrews, another impressive performance from him. They were, you know, and, and then we had Morris and, Greaves and Blake coming on towards the end, and I think there's the situation hanging over Blake with his—he's not signed a professional contract yet. It looks like he possibly won't. Even though it wasn't really a proper football match, it didn't really feel like a proper football match in any meaningful way. The manager has still got to go out there and send the players out there and win games. There was a couple of players there who's probably going to be the last time we ever see them as well. You know, they deserve another one last time to get out there and say goodbye to the fans or, or whatever. So I kind of I kind of get it and. To be honest with you, I, just, I found it very hard to care about anything one way or the other, really, today It was just, it, we were all there because we all had to turn up and do our duty as season ticket holders, but it's just... Let me tell you, kids, don't go
0: to Munich for 48 hours with no sleep and a lot of beer, because you end up hollowed out like poor old Dave. Kieran, i got a bit of a theory, I think Dave alluded to it there, that, that Chris Wilder can't really afford to risk hammering on the last day because you know Dave's uh, d- joke with Dave. None of us do really care, and that's probably why we're saying play the play the youngsters. He will, as of now, be looking for a new job, won't he? So, do you think that lack of sort of changing up the squad is potentially a bit of bit of self preservation for Chris Wilder?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. Any any job that comes up in the summer, I'm sure Chris Wilder in the championship will be in contention for, despite the indifferent results that he's had with us. He has pedigree of taking teams out of the championship. Into the Premier League, and I think any any club um, that that has a vacancy over the summer will probably have a look at him. Also, he he made some big statements in the in the last few weeks, didn't he? About the players, and and very much insinuated that there were a number of them that probably not pulling their pulling their weight and didn't care enough. So for him to then on the last day of the season really overhaul the first eleven and and essentially you know, play a load of youngsters. And I think it was a positive that we saw a few of them at the, uh, at the final, you know, the final few minutes. You know, I think we needed to win and, and end the season on a positive. And he needed to end the season on a positive because it hasn't quite worked out, has it? As, as Dave alluded to, six points off the playoffs. Actually, a number of those points that we should have, we should have earned came under his stewardship.
0: Yeah, I mean you drop points. We what, what, one of the notes I made during the game was that we survived a two-nil. We survived going two-nil up, which we haven't done too many times this season. We've 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 thrown points uh, away. It's been a it's been a sort of um, it's going to say watchword, but a sort of example of the issues, the the malaise that we faced under Wilder, that we haven't been able to hang on to these leads. One of my one of my Sort of slightly more cynical and worrying thoughts, Geordie was that the reason we 're not seeing these players the the, the, the youngsters, as they 're sort of loosely termed, are they actually are they up to it because if they were, we probably would have been seeing them sooner. Kieran rightly pointed out there that Chris Wilde has been pretty firm talking about his squad and and, and whether they 've been delivering enough suggesting they haven't so if we've got the next cab off the rank so to speak ready and fit and ready rearing to go i think adrian blake's a, a dodgy one because he, he's going i think isn't he and that's that brings with it its own its own complications but do you think there's a concern that these youngsters that, that we're clamoring for basically aren't up to it
3: well possibly quite possibly i think andrews has come and i think he's i can hear everyone scream at the podcast mike we don't know because he won't blame you idiot yeah, I think, I think Andrews has been given his chance, uh, right? Back. Well. Yeah, he's, he's played well, for, and he looks—he didn't look. If he, I think if you'd come to the game um, and didn't know the players, you wouldn't have gone. Oh, he's a young lad. Yeah. You know, he he fitted in. He had a few shots when uh, when when people were faffing around trying to get the ball under control up, up front, up top. You know, and taking too many passes, he got it and he whip crosses in and he he looked, he looked he looks like he's comfortable. So I think that that's that's good. And I guess the question is, if you blood too many does that compromise all of them because they haven't all got the protection of a whole 11 or 10 other professionals around them. So I think, I think, you know, he's probably the one who's most advanced. At the start of the season, we didn't see him. We were crying out for a right-wing, right-back or right-wing-back for under Edwards. So I think when you're younger, you get, you, you, a few weeks or a few months can be huge in your development, both mentally and, and physically and, and preparation. So Andrews is ready now. He wasn't ready at the start of the season. The other guys, you know, have, have been in and around the periphery and probably been training. Wilder's seen it, he pretty thinks they're not an upgrade on what we got. There is a professionalism in this, like you say, there's a desire to see the season out. I think a good pre season for them might mean that like, these two or three months, which for us will go like that once you get to our age, for them They'll get fitter, they'll get stronger, they'll get more acclimatised in their first-team environment. And if they're ready to hit the ground running next season, whoever the manager is, then then they may be making
0: a, making a claim for, for a starting place. Tremendous, comprehensive answer there for George. I think you've taken a claim for a bit more of a regular spot on the old podcast, Geordie. Very, very good. Um, you've, got me, you've got me feeling a bit happier about these youngsters. My brother's here. Andy's just turned up. He's pretending to um, be doing something, uh, something important. He's wandering off with his partner, Guinness. Andy, I just want to get your one sentence. We've just we've talked about Chris Wilder and his his performance. He's gonna be disappearing off into I was gonna say the sunset, but it's sort of grey mizzle which kinda of sums up Watford's Watford season. I think the the weather is befitting the uh the occasion really. Wilder came in, we were hopeful of still making the playoffs. how would you rate Chris Wilder's brief tenure as Watford boss? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks very <laughs> much. I think that sums it up that sums it up nicely. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean that is that does sum it up, but pushing Treacle up a hill—it yeah. was,
2: was a lost task before he even started, and that was obvious. I said when he when he came in, he wouldn't win more than three games. I think. H- it How
0: many did we win? I think three games. Yeah. Bingo. He is available for your lottery numbers as well. Let's get onto the game then, very quickly. Started off under the pump a little bit. It felt like Dan Backman had to make a really, really smart save after 20 seconds. And I think the sort of who did turn up at Vicarage Road might have been thinking, oh, my God, here we go. And it was really the story of probably the... Well, there's certainly the opening salvo, Stoke looked like they were more likely to, um, to, to, to cause problems. Geordie mentioned Ryan Andrews. He did all right, but it was a, a bit of a rearguard action, wasn't it? But then it sort of developed into, a, into an open, open game and it felt like it could be a bit of fun, a bit of sort of last day fun and frolics.
1: Yeah, it was. It's the sort of game that if we if we were already in the playoffs, like like Luton or Middlesbrough, and and that was all out of the way, then you could have then you could have really gotten into the spirit of the occasion and had fun. But because we you know we know how bad the season's been it was just even though it was quite open and back and forth I still was just sort of looking around just going honestly what what is the point of this it, like- it was very backman and forth I think you <laughs> Yeah, but they were um we played, We went back to three at the back today so you had Andrews and, and Semmer as the wing backs and you obviously had the three centre backs and it looked like Stoke were very much trying to sort of take advantage of that and put it into the spaces in between the win backs and the the outside centre backs. There are a lot of raking long balls down the side which they got in quite a few times and flash balls across the box. They, Backman's made a lot of good saves and he's come for a few and cut out a few crosses but Stoke will be thinking they should have had two or three in the first half at least really. We had a few little chances and little forays into the box but again it was you know, Davis went on to get his goal But a number of times When he gets the ball And he just wants to get it Out of his feet Or shift it And he always seemed to He always seemed to shift it into the, place, into the spaces Where there are players Rather than going away Into the space It was a bit of a frustrating Afternoon for him But it, I suppose it, yeah, look, it was It was pretty entertaining stuff It was very open It was very very End of season Between two teams With no pressure And I don't know I suppose goal bonuses Were the only things On the line yeah, For the players so
0: let's, I don't think really there's, there's too much value in pulling that, that game apart, as Dave's alluded to there, it's a, it's a dead rubber, it's not one that either club is going to be making DVDs of, I don't think either set of fans is going to be skipping away from Vicarage Road, having, looking, having seen their team in, in action there, let's, let's forward wind to the, to the goals then. Uh, KT, let's talk about that, that first one. Someone that involved two people, one that we almost certainly won't see next season and one person that we hope we will. Uh, I think Ismail Assar broke through and was asking for a penalty. was still asking for a penalty after Watford had scored, I'd noticed. <laughs> Walking back to the centre circle, talking to the ref, asking why the uh, the pen wasn't given. It's man, we got the goal. It's fine. You can let that one go. But lovely finish from, from loser, Kieran. How important is keeping him going to be? Do you think he's... Done enough for us to, as uh, supporters, be the him, be the man that that that, that builds a, a, a team around does That strike, sort of, give us enough hope that he he's one of the going to be the one of the key protagonists protagonists in a successful team next year.
2: I. I this is very much a personal opinion I I think we've seen very much that he has an an unbelievable amount of ability ability, especially at championship level I think we noticed after that injury that he suffered at Millwall that we lacked that kind of creative influence in, in the middle of the park I think what's been difficult is that because we have been so poor this second half of the season I don't think we've really been able to see the best of him because the players around him haven't given him the opportunity to play with that freedom and that touch that made Maybe we would see if we're in a a position where we're higher up the table and playing with confidence. Absolutely, I think he's an important player. Absolutely, I would love to see him next season. Do I think we will? No, if I'm I'm being really honest. I think he's very much one of the assets that we will probably look to try and get a a good fee for. Um, And I think from his point of view, look, he, he missed out on the World Cup with Morocco because of that injury. I'm sure that he still has aspirations to play for his country and as at the highest level possible. Um, is the championship the best place for him? No. Um, so I imagine that he will probably look at other opportunities, but of course he's massively important if we can keep hold of him because he will be, he would be, if we can keep him a, a major player in that, in that midfield for us, but I don't see him being here. So,
0: so he's just too good for us. His KT's uh, slightly worrying uh, take on the Moroccan rockin' Maestro, The other goal, Geordie, Keenan Davis. I thought the one thing you could say about um, the goal is it kind of rewarded persistence in that passage of play. So, you know, he, he probably earned that goal in that, in, in that moment. Nice goal. Did we see enough of that of him from him throughout his, his spell at Watford? And do you think there's any chance that Watford will be interested in trying to keep him at the club, even if he wanted to, to come back to Vicarage Road, which I, which I doubt?
3: Uh, I don't I think he'll be top of the list of players we want to bring in. He hasn't, he's, not, he's not burnt the league up. We can, have we got any players between us at the moment that we're definitely going to keep? <laughs> no, I mean, to the goal was good. I mean, he kind of got it. He thought, I'll try and get him in my left foot, I'll try and get him in my left foot. What? Looked down, saw another foot next to his left foot. I thought, well, I'll try that one. <laughs> and, of course, all the defenders had gone to block his left foot. And he had a free free little uh, path to goal. And uh, Arrows was there ready to... If he'd scuffed it, he would have been able to put it in. So it was, it was a good couple of minutes. I mean, there's probably someone in the, was it twenty thousand? Know, yeah. Was that itchy chin kind of thing you used to do at school? You know, the twenty thousand. You know, if you spread out uh, attendance, um, there's probably someone who went to the loo and missed both goals. And I mean, that's that's someone who's kind of that that's that probably should have got fan of the year because that's the person who's most <laughs> epitomised Watford this season. Is there uh, just missing the, you know, the first pre-season game pretty much today? Yeah. Um, you know, and they've missed potentially missed both goals. I think yeah, Davis is okay. You can see that, but, but if you want to be a player at the top level, you've got to do more than just one thing. And he can, he's got a good left foot, and he can. He's a bit like Sammo when he kind of wants to get on his left foot and he finds a way to get it, but. You, you, strikers need split seconds And if it comes with your right foot You've got to hit with your right foot And if it comes not perfect You've got to hit it You get the shot in It might get deflected It might go in A lot, lot of um, You see um, like Erlen Harland's top of the Most chances missed It's because he gets so many chances Because he shoots And I think If, if, if you try and create A perfect opportunity You can't do it And I think uh, In our team Where we have no cohesion A player who isn't fast Particularly He's, he's quite bulky is uh, always up against two two championship centre backs, and he's not going to get any free kicks or anything. It just, it just it seems like a bit of a waste. So I don't really think, for the money he would cost, I guess in a fee and the money the wages he'd be expecting, I don't think he's kind of put himself top of Gino's shopping list.
0: Massive question marks then over Watford's rebuild in the a final third, uh, midfield. I guess is 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 a massive question as well. Just one quick question before we draw a veil over today and and the season. Defensively, I think we're all probably expecting to see Porteous, to see Hurt, to see more of Andrews, probably Backman. Although I think a lot of people would argue that he's he's a, he's an issue as well, and he might well be one that that Gino can ma- magic up three or four million quid for to, to fill that financial black hole. So we'll watch this space. But defensively, it feels like we have probably got a better idea of who we're going to see step out in in yellow come come August. Has it felt like the sort of Watford? Defending disease has sort of finally has, has, has got hold of Portis and, and hurt a little bit. I mean there was a lot bit a, a bit of captain calamity going on for, for all of the, the players at one stage across that, that back line, wasn't it? Are we if it's gonna be Andrews Hurt and Portis plus a, a few others, are we are we happy with that or are we, are we worried?
1: I'm not sure. I think it's hard to say with too much confidence because we we just don't know what the whole makeup of the team's gonna be. We don't know who the head coach is gonna be but i do think hurt and Porteous have shown enough since they've come in that they on their day you know pretty decent championship centre backs you know hurt's played played at a much higher level than this and Porteous, is you know this is a move this is an upward step for him hurt maybe is sort of probably, his career's probably peaked but he's still, he's what he's still not thirty yet. He's in his late twenties, and he's 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 confident. He's decent on the ball. He's left-footed, so I've got no problem with those two being in the team next season. But who knows? There may be more that come back. Is Cabaselli still going to be here? Is Is Trooster Kong going to come back from his loan? Uh, it's it's very difficult to say with any certainty about about next season and what the head coach will want. Whoever that man will be, but I think I think they've been all right. I think it's it's difficult, you know. Our centre backs have been an issue for a long time, haven't they? We've talked about it countless times over the years, and we were still stuck with that sort of that crop of Truster, Kong, Cabocelli, Sierra Alta, Cathcart, and we never had the right balance. We never knew who the definite right first choice two were. But since they've come in, they've played pretty much every game, haven't they? And they've really sort of cemented their place in the team, and I don't think they've done much wrong, to be honest.
0: We shall see. So the the season's over. Watford have beaten Stoke. Two nil. sort of the atmosphere wasn't as, as toxic, I think, as as the club might have been. It certainly felt like. Certainly, looking at social media, there were sort of comments about the amount of police and and stewards that were in in position today. I do wonder whether that has got a little bit to do with the with the visitors. They travelled in big numbers today. Probably uh, going to make a bit of bit of a day of it. There was one incident with a, a banner in the 1881 area. I think it said cowards on it, and the uh, and the the stewards did try to take that down. But even that was a bit of a half effort to um, to try and grab that the uh, the the guys in the 1881 were having a bit of a fun chucking it to each other to to avoid the avoid the stewards.
1: I think we should say though on that we don't need to go too much into it because people will have their feelings about this or not but I think it is a disgrace and we've seen it in the last we've seen it in the last few matches with all you know we had a potso out Gino out and we've had you know, obviously, the prevailing mood in the nation as well at the moment. There are lots of issues around protests and what you, what you should be allowed to do and what you can and can't do at the moment. But it's, it is pathetic. Stewards trying to get rid of a banner in the stand that says cowards. I mean, it's... It, I think it is a joke, really, and if we're going to see more of that in the future, it's a it's a, it's a problem. And
0: Andy's just said to me that the, the stewards were forced into retreat because they had the necessary paperwork for it, which is absolutely absolutely sensational. So congratulations um, on on adminning correctly to the uh, to the eighteen eighty one. And obviously, I think there is. It does speak to an issue. There are definite storm clowns, not only outside uh, outside the pub here in Watford, there are storm clowns gathering around, uh, around Vicarage Road. But I think credit to the Watford supporters who have, in general, been incredibly patient this season. And I think there is... A, a fine line. It's difficult to support a team and a club who is obviously flailing around as it is uh, uh, is struggling. Some people will say support means support in the in the literalist sense of the word, which is turning up, clapping them, cheering them, whatever. Others will will point to the fact that we have a right to, or a, it's important that we sort of scratch beneath the surface. There's a whole whole range of uh, of ways to support the football club, and I think that will become clear in the in the fullness of time how that needs to to manifest itself. But I think. It, Ultimately, it was a sort of... The season ended as it kind of has been all season. A bit, of a bit of a damp squib, wasn't it? There weren't any protests, there weren't any real... There was no change in atmosphere, there was no worrying tone or anything was there whatsoever. It finished Watford 2, Stoke nil. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC... So before the game, there was a couple of, uh, couple of things that needed to be cleared off. First, and perhaps most enjoyably, Watford women clinched the National League Southern Premier Division. is that right, Kieran? Correct. They won it in, well, quite exciting circumstances on, on Sunday. They did what they had to do. They won away at Billericay, thumped them 3-0, I believe it was, and uh, had to hope that Oxford didn't match their result. They didn't. Oxford lost, so Watford won it and now move on to the playoff. well, the promotion game, which is a rerun of the cup final against Nottingham Forest at MK Dons. Uh, I know as many as uh, of us from, from the Rookery end are going to try and get there. It'd be great uh, to, get, um, to get good numbers uh, along to that one. But, um, Kieran, I think are really probably talking about the atmosphere one of the warmest moments one of the best sort of rounds of applause and cheers was was for the women's team they've and they've deserved it haven't
2: they yeah very much so and 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 uh, you know i haven't been on the podcast a lot in the last few years because I, i've been working in the women's game with the fa and and one of the things that i've noticed obviously in that time is is the growth of of the women's side of the game and we've had the women's team at vicarage road in the past and and this isn't a a, a a criticism in any way but at times the team had been brought out at half time when not many people are in the stands they were getting their half time beer um, but this was right before the game kicked off and actually to hear the cheer and to hear the reception that the players got I think was again a sign of, of how far the game has come people were genuinely pleased for them genuinely interested um, You know, they handed out the player of the season award um, for for the women's team alongside the awards that they were handing out for the men's so yeah, re- really positive. Obviously, the job is not done yet. As you mentioned, they've got to play Nottingham Forest in a playoff at Milton Keynes Dons uh, on the 20th of May. I think kickoff is at 1 p.m. The winner of that game will get promoted into the Women's Championship, which is the second tier of the Women's Pyramid. So, massive game for them. They got relegated on the last kick of the get last kick of the season last year um, into the third tier. So it would be uh, it'd be a massive achievement to bounce straight back.
0: Massive congratulations to to Watford Women. One more game to go though. Season's not done. Uh, we'll be there to support you, and I think it. I think it really is important that we draw draw attention to this sort of stuff because the club have obviously ramped up their support of of that team in, in, in certainly in the last couple of seasons. We know that wasn't always the case, and I think that that sort of Testament to the football club to recognise that everyone that plays under the Watford Football Club banner is representing the, the football club and we're Watford Football Club supporters. Um, delighted to see that. So well done to that team. Absolutely superb. It's difficult, very, very difficult to win a division and they've, they've cracked it. One more game to go. Kieran, you mentioned the awards um, before the game. James Morris got Young Player of the of the Season. Ismail Assar got Goal of the Season, which we were aware of. Seems a long time ago now. We've spoken about that. And unsurprisingly, Mr. Zhao Pedro took home the Player of the Season uh, Gong, and then Julie disappeared off, potentially in a helicopter down to uh, down to Brighton. How true? How true that is? We're we're not sure, but certainly a helicopter took off at some point, and uh, uh, he wasn't there on the on the final lap of the, the pitch. Perhaps we need to tune into the Brighton game to see if he's been if he's been unveiled down at the Amex. But Lads, I just did want to talk about Zhao quickly. Um, obviously a supreme player uh, uh, we're lucky to have had him I'm not going to dwell on the disappointment because I think it is disappointing that we're having to let him go under these circumstances the idea would have been that he left us in the Premier League and having powered us on to, we know what the the blueprint, we know what the drill was supposed to be it hasn't panned out like that and it is a shame that he's, he's leaving in these circumstances Dave, how does he rank in terms of the, the most skillful players to have uh, have worn the or worn the yellow shirt, or are we not able to
1: really p- properly rank him because of of the team he's had to play in? John asked me this question earlier on, and we were sort of having we were kind of having a debate about whether uh, what his best attributes are and whether he when you when you ask that question is he the most skillful player he's an excellent dribbler likes to carry the ball. You know, get in and around the box, get his shots off. He can play number nine, he can play ten, he's played wide. But then is he as skillful, purely skillful, as say, I don't know, Anthony McNamee, for example. Or like even John Barnes or Nordin Vouter. Like he has, he that
0: is the most eclectic group of <laughs> players. I'd w i definitely would want to be in that five-side a team.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But he's he is he's he's quite a, he's quite a direct player. He likes to get the ball and dribble past people, yeah. play one-twos, and I think we have only scratched the surface, I think, of his potential at Watford. He he arrived as a young boy still from from Brazil, it took him a while to, you know, made his debut against Trambier. It was, in, it was in one of those games, it was in one of those cup games, I'm sure he made his debut in and around that time. And we've seen him grow in stature, but on the pitch, physically, mentally as well. But he's... He, we still feel like we never quite got that amazing season out of him where he could have scored 20-plus goals and he had injuries, stop start. He was in teams that got relegated, teams that have struggled in the Championship. And yet he's still managed to... He still managed to... lifts here. <laughs> he still managed to sort of rise above all of the difficulties surrounding the club at that time and improve as a player and attract interest from big clubs. He nearly went to Newcastle. Now he's gone to Brighton. And I'm I'm really pleased for him. I'm really pleased for him and I will look you know he's he's going to be one of those players that I will look out for as a Watford fan throughout his career and always have a bit of pride if he does well and the fact that he's gone to Brighton who are a club who are upwardly mobile who are you know gaining a real reputation for unearthing these players and you know they haven't unearthed this one we've done the hard work here for them and then they've come along and they've sweeped him off us but he goes into a team that's well coached that has a lot of players who I think will gel well with him he'll fit into that group really well and I think it's, it's brilliant because he's, he's crying out to be in a team that knows what it's doing and, and to have a coach that can tell him exactly what to do because at times this season it's literally just been him running around doing it all on his own and, and he's operating completely you know, it's not his fault at all but he's just trying to do everything because there's no proper system around him there's lots of players who aren't on his wavelength so I'm really excited to see what he does at Brighton Kieran,
0: Geordie, just before we finish on we on fa- have you got a favourite moment or if they, if they were going to recreate one of those art football t-shirts with, his, with Zhao Pedro on it what would he what would he be doing favourite moment or, or your abiding memory of Zhao Pedro Jordy uh,
3: uh. I go back to the, uh, when, he, when he first turned up, and one of the fans had to lend us some gloves. <laughs> uh, that was kind of, you know, one of those, those humble beginnings. You thought, you know, here's a guy; he's, he's probably looking a bit wide-eyed at this world he's just moved over to from the, other, from, the other, from, the, from the other side of the world. You are thinking, is he going to be? Is he hype? Is, you know, we've had players who've come in and played at World Cups from Brazil, and we've had players who've disappeared out of nowhere. Who we thought we going to be amazing. You kind of that's that excitement of, is this one going to be one of the good ones or one of the bad ones? And I think Kieran mentioned earlier about loser we need to see the best of loser because you know if you take someone like De Bruyne De Bruyne looks
0: good because I'll take someone like De Bruyne
3: yeah. but he's, got, he's got Harland he's got Mari, he's got Grealish he's got Gundogan he's got good players around him and they know what they're doing and I think I think Pedro and loser have lacked that and I think I okay, echo what, what they said you know in a team that, where he's not the big fish where he's got to fill a role and there's an expectation. He's got better, better opponents who don't give him too long to think. Make him make do things off instinctively. We'll see if he can step up. There's no reason
0: why he shouldn't. So fingers crossed for him, and just good luck. You know, good luck to him. Kieran, you got a particular memory of, of Zhao, or is it? Is it like the other guys? Is it sort of a sense of? like melancholic feel that it's a uh, promise unfulfilled in a yellow shirt uh,
2: he's, he's going to be more Richarlison than Douglas Rinaldi isn't he I think um, <laughs> no I think I, I dropped it in our WhatsApp group last week um, Derby away the winner yeah. that he got um, in the season that we got promoted um, I think you know we'd seen a little bit of him before that but I think it was early on in that championship season, away from home, and he's picked the ball up, hasn't he? About twenty-five yards out and bent it into the top corner, and uh, and you just sort of thought moment of absolute class. And uh, you know, I remember remember when he made his debut. He looked he looked absolutely tiny, didn't he? He Was scrawny. And... It
1: was against Tranmere in the FA Cup, actually. Good yeah. research, Dave.
2: Yeah. On the so Tranmere, level. Tranmere, this this, lit, this kid comes on. He's he's not probably built enough for that level of football, but he's he's grown into it. And, and you know, we said it. was loser. He's not had the players around him to really perform to his level and he's going to get that at Brighton. We don't know what Brighton's squad's going to look like next season, not for us to discuss on this podcast, but we know that they've got players that are are in demand. But he will fit in really well there. I think they're a club on the up and and I I do... I, I personally think that he will go on to be better than Richarlison and he's not exactly had a, b- a bad career himself so wish him well I think the reception that he got beforehand you know when players leave there can sometimes be a slight bitterness from fans but there was certainly no sign of that when he came out and, uh, and addressed the crowd for the three seconds that he did
0: I think, I, think, <laughs> I think yeah, short but sweet little message from um, from Zhao there I think what is, what's interesting and I think will GF Gino Pozzo watches match of the day next year, seeing Purvis Estupinian linking up with with Zhao Pedro, that is, uh, and Danny Welbeck, yeah, that is as clear a what you could have won as there there possibly is. Now, so that's someone departing the football club before we wrap up this week. There is going to need to be a key someone coming into the football club in the shape of a of a head coach. Now, I mean, my personal take is there's a lot that needs to be sorted out at uh, at Vicarage Road to. For this to be even relevant, to be honest, obviously he's one of the, he is the, one of the, the most important members of staff there. But I think we've seen over the last two years we've had six managers, head coaches, come in, all of them been unable to um, to get a tune out of the the rabble that have been served up for them. So it looks like former um, Barnsley, West Brom, and Besiktas head coach Valerian Ismail is certainly on on the radar. Dave how are we feeling about him as a potential candidate but on a wider wider sort of basis are you is it possible at this stage to get excited about anyone coming in as head coach when we know full
1: well the all the issues that are uh, are at play I think it, I think it is difficult to be excited about the potential arrival of a new coach when there's still so much to be sorted out with the squad and the the unrest with Gino we're going to wait to see what happens with Gino talking to the fans and you know, Gioretta's still there and Ben Manga and who's making the decisions and there's all that all that stuff that we all know about. Key one though, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge, but it's difficult for us. So it's difficult for us to really sort of sit down and be excited like you might normally be in a summer when a new manager comes in or, or cause you, to go into a summer with optimism. Normally going into, a, an, into a, a pre-season, you always have hope and belief that you can get it right and new players coming in, it's exciting, but it feels a bit difficult for us to be in that mode of, of thought at the moment. But Ishmael will be... A strange one. He obviously had he had a great season with Barnsley, got Barnsley into the playoffs. You know, made a real impact there, and then he got a big move, relatively speaking, to West Brom, and didn't go well from there. Got sacked, but he, I think they were fifth when he got sacked, and I don't, I don't know the, price, the precise sort of uh, context around that season, whether it was just or, or not, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. If I'm right, and I think I remember seeing a a tactical video sort of analysis of him a a long time ago when he was at Barnsley, he's like sort of uber long ball. Like he literally would like instruct his players to just boot it as high as possible in the air. He has some sort of weird theory about like how that would kind of cause chaos and kind of... Perhaps
0: you can see why he's high on our list because that's something that our, our, our players can do,
1: hit it in the air, but that's it. But I don't know whether he's changed his style since or whether that was very particular to his time at Barnsley or whatever, but... I I gather that he has got a a reputation for being very direct which again would kind of be a bit like there's never a clear pattern with our head coach hires are there? They're always completely different from one another and it looks like that'll probably be the same again but he may not get the job Adam Leventhal's been reporting that there are other candidates on the shortlist and that Ishmael is not the front runner. that there's uh, German coaches without they haven't been named yet but he's reporting that there, there are German coaches on the shortlist as well you'd imagine that would probably be the sort of Ben Manga side of things and then where Ishmael comes from, I don't know. But, I mean, it will be interesting to see what happens because with all this unrest and all this talk around Gino, it, obviously it feels like we've got to a point at the end of the season where the fans really finally have turned and are focused on Gino and, and his running of the club and we're dissatisfied with it. But regardless of how we feel, he's still got to run a football club, appoint a new head coach, get a new squad of players for next season and go again and he might pro- he probably he may well continue to do it in the way that he's done it and we might not like that but it's going to happen so we're going to have to probably live with it get on with it and we'll be you know back in the same situation next season who knows how long the new manager will get and all that all that nonsense but it's difficult to be excited right now really but there's certainly going to be as much I think as much change in a in a pre-season as we've seen for a long time I think
0: well, I mean what's interesting for me is you mentioned those names there manga Gino, um, Gino Pozzo uh, Cristiano Gioretta there's so many cooks in this overcrowded kitchen turning out bad dish after bad dish at the moment and you do worry who's going to put who is going to be making the decision on this, on this head coach is it going to be Ben Manga? because you'd like to think that Ben Manga, if what everyone thinks is true he's got his, his list of players his targets lined up right Mr Head Coach these are the players we've got coming in this is option A this is option B this is option C can you work with this year but have, is there any, any faith that there is anything like that level of joined-up thinking at Watford happening? And I think the reason it's not happening is because it's not allowed to happen. I think Gino Pozzo is far too involved. What's Cristiano Gioretta doing? He's obviously there at the behest of Pozzo for some reason. Are they working harmoniously together as a unit, as a senior sort of officials, senior decision-makers at the club? I've got my severe doubts at that. It feels like there's too many people at the top probably pushing in different, di- in, in different directions. And it just makes me worry that you've got to get the head coach appointment right. You've got to get this culture right somehow. Then you've got to get the We've already sort of alluded to it, talking about who's going to stay, who's going to go in terms of the playing staff. You've got to get the, the, the playing recruitment right to fit with the head coach. The left hand has got to talk to the right hand. And at this football club, it really, really doesn't feel um, like, like much of the players' left foot don't talk to their right foot. Uh, the, the, the hierarchy are, are really struggling in terms of understanding where they where they need to be Kieran Geordie I'm going to put you on the spot now we've washed away and there's no Manga there's no Gioretta there's no dutchby there's no Pozzo you get to name the new Watford head coach for the 2023-24 season who is it? sensible answers only please Geordie I can see your mind whirring away I've, I've no idea Mike
3: I mean who, I think it comes down to you know what Dave says it doesn't really matter we, I mean if says Water, if we got Guardiola in his 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 character, his 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 presence would drive change. But you know, we're talking Brighton a player now. We're talking about Jao Pedro. If Deserve had come in and relatively anonymous to us this season, would he have done as well as he has at Brighton? I think I think it, the, the manager's a cog and in a machine. And you talk about a different amount of chefs, or is it all Gino dictating it? Who knows? I think what we need is is everybody to be cohesive off the pitch. To bring cohesion on the pitch I think that's what we've lacked And it's, we've talked about The intangibles And the invisibles It really doesn't matter Who comes in um, And who's available And you know Us sitting outside the pub Aren't going to have Our finger on the pulse Of all the European Managers available I think it needs to be Someone who has a Who buys into the vision Who the club buys into And who is supported Which is what we thought We were getting last summer It didn't work out For long enough that manager's shown that, actually, with a bit of support, they can do well. I think we need to, we need to not be so knee-jerk, you know, come October next season, not be so knee-jerk, and, and look back and say, you know what, we really took advantage of the summer. So whoever comes in has the foundation, has the momentum, and, you know, we are, we are looking at success, regardless of who they are.
0: Elegantly swerved. The only name you came up there
2: with uh, was Pep Guardiola. So uh, I'll, t- I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> KT, have you got a name? I haven't, mate, no, and and I was nodding along as as Geordie was talking there, and I think Colin and I said it on the podcast that we did on the way back from Luton. Um, That game was very soon after Antonio Conte had his say about Tottenham and how it doesn't really matter who coaches that team, they are still going to have the same sort of results and the same sort of attitude. I think we're in a similar position, I said it at the time. I, I don't think it matters who manages us at the moment. I think... You know, you mentioned all those names that need to, to start working together. We need to avoid, like Geordie said, we need to avoid a situation that we found ourselves in at the start of last year where we've gone very public on backing a young manager going against the grain of what we'd done previously and then sacking him after, what, 10 games, 12 games. He's gone on to do pretty well since then. Um, I would like to see a similar sort of manager to him, but this time giving him the backing. I said at the start of the season, not on the podcast, but to friends and family, if we finish 15th, then fine. But at least we've given the manager a season. We need some stability. We haven't done much better than that. We finished 11th. Yes, six points off the playoffs, but I would rather have finished 11th with the same manager in place. We've gone through three again this year. Plenty of
0: work to be done then. But our job of work is done. We've seen through this absolutely... Well, I was going to swear on the podcast. I've got, all, I've got through the entire season without swearing, I think. I'm not going to ruin it now. Uh, you can fill in the blanks yourself at home. The season's over. Still plenty to come from us um, at the, from the, from the, from the Rookery end, though. So do keep listening. Thanks, as ever, to everyone for listening throughout the, the season. We know it's not fun reliving these, um, these games that have been uh, left a lot to be desired. So thanks for, for sticking with us. Plenty more to come. Geordie, thanks
1: for joining us. Thank you. Hollywood, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Dave, how are you feeling? I'm all right. You, you, you're mischaracterising me today. You're, say, you're saying that my, my mood is all because I've, I've been on the beers in Munich for the weekend. I'm, it's just, it's not my, it's Gino's fault. It's
0: not my fault. The lady doth protest too much. The man is an absolute husk. Andy, thanks. Cheers, boys. That's it then. 2022, 2023 done. Come on, you horns.